The following KOPN podcast is made possible by the generous donations of listeners like you. Please consider a donation to listener-supported community radio, KOPN. You can donate securely on our website at kopn.org. Hi, welcome to Food Sleuth Radio, where we help you think beyond your plate. I'm Melinda Hemmelgarn, a registered dietitian and investigative nutritionist on a mission to connect the dots between food, health, and agriculture and find food truth. And today I'm honored to welcome my guest, Mr. Daniel Harper. He is Director of Policy and Communications for the American Origin Products Association. He holds a master's degree in agricultural science and technology and spent two years working in the agricultural department of the French Embassy in Washington, D.C. Mr. Harper lives in Paris, France, but he works on food heritage. He's passionate about food heritage and specializes in the policy and marketing of regional agricultural products. His professional goal is to develop a system for the promotion, preservation, and celebration of origin products and culinary traditions in the United States. Welcome, Mr. Harper. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. Well, I guess, first of all, I need to ask, what are American origin products? I'm not familiar with that term. Yeah, that's a very good and essential first question. American origin products, we define them as any product whose quality, reputation, or any other characteristics can be essentially attributed to the geographical location of production, quite simply. I mean, if if that's not simple enough, I can delve in further. Well, let's give some examples. Sure. So the famous example, we're going out of the States now, but is champagne, okay? Uh, champagne, if it wants to be called champagne, it needs to come from the region of Champagne. Also, Parmigiano-Reggiano, famous cheese that needs to come from Italy. In the United States, we've got Idaho potatoes. We've got uh, Vermont maple syrup. We've got a whole slew of other products that are closely associated with the region in which they're produced. Hmm. Interesting. How did you become interested in this area? My story is I studied psychology, never was planning on going down the agricultural route. I took a year off in France, and to make a long story short, I lived above a market, and I got to know the, the people selling me my food. I noticed the difference in taste, the, the improved quality of fresh produce, and started engaging in conversations with locals as I immersed more in the community and realized that they conceive and they have a different relationship with food and with their agricultural products. And it's very region-tied, and everyone from the region was proud of their product, of what their region had to offer, be it cheese, wine, fruits, vegetables. And it's just a culture that I fell in love with, and that's pretty much what oriented me toward the French Embassy and toward a career, which I hope will be a fulfilling career in the promotion of origin products in the United States. That is so fascinating. Well, you had shared with me some information about American origin products so I could study before our interview. And you sent me a slide presentation that you had developed. And how American origin products are described here is that they are a grassroots effort to preserve U.S. agricultural heritage and biodiversity. And when I think about my favorite cookbook, It is a New York Times heritage cookbook, and it is based on immigrants and immigrants who settled here in the United States who brought with them their agricultural knowledge of their region. 
And so, for example, if you go to New York, there's going to be Italian recipes and Italian foods. And if you go out to like North and South Dakota, you're going to have more of a Scandinavian mix. And lately, I've been very interested in Native American heritage foods. And there does seem to be unique pockets of our country where we do have agricultural heritage products, but largely everything seems commoditized. Everything seems the same. You know, you go into a McDonald's, I mean, they they pride themselves on burgers in San Francisco tasting the same as burgers in Nashville. Right. I miss that geographical difference. Yeah. And that's one of the main things that we're trying to promote here in the mind of the consumer. When, when someone thinks American origin product or an origin product as we define them, you want to separate from the, this idea that quality needs to be uniform. Okay? Mm-hmm. Quality, I think that's the false idea that most consumers have about especially their natural unprocessed products like their fruits and vegetables. It's totally okay if your tomato tastes different from one season to the next. It's probably coming from different places in the world with different climates. So that's a huge theme. That's a type of education that I think that we're seeking to do on the consumer side of things. But yeah, you touched earlier on the fact that we are a country, a melting pot from different cultures, and a lot of people tend to confuse the fact that an origin product needs to have some you know, hundreds of years of history behind it. Well, I think the beauty of American origin products is that you take a lot of these traditions from immigrants, and then you see them become adapted. You see recipes like clam chowder in New England becoming popular crawfish dishes and bakes and barbecue in different regions of the country that are these forging or fusions of our immigration culture, of our origins, ethnic origins, but also the new climates we find ourselves in and the geographical influence of where we're producing, where we're eating, where we're celebrating together. So I think AOP encompasses all of that, and that's definitely part of what we're trying to get out, not just the fact, not just the issues that face the farmers themselves of these specialized products. Right. And would there be special labeling that identifies a heritage product or an American origin product? That's a great question, and that's the goal. I will say right now, no such labeling exists in the United States, but the idea of origin products has existed in Europe for a long time. And now it's a very common idea. You see it all over different countries now. You have China, Japan, Mexico, all developing this this system to add value and to preserve and promote their country's origin products. But of course, you compare America to France. France has, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years of winemaking and of, of cheese aging. How could we stand up? How could we compete, right? Well, Europe devised an amazing, I think, an ingenious system of coming out with a label that's been out for 25 years or so now. Start educating the consumer to make the consumer aware that these products, the product that you're buying, goes into a local economy. It preserves and promotes agricultural and and cultural heritage from the region, and it's likely a higher quality product. And that's why you're paying a little bit more for it. That's what you're supporting. And for the time being, in the United States, There's no such label that exists, and I think one of the long-term goals for AOPA is to get one started. Yeah, I think in the United States, it's more like you recognize brands rather than a regional identity. Right, 100%. And sometimes brands can incorporate regional identities. There are such things called collective marks or regional or territorial marks. So, for example, that would be 
I can't think of one off the top of my head, but let's say the state of Vermont has a, a quality label that they can tack on certain foods that meet their code of practices or meet their criteria. That does exist, but you're touching on a really big and essential issue with AOP now. It's the difference between branding and labeling. Mm. Um, or I'm sorry, labeling and branding. They all go, go together. But trademarks are expensive. Trademarks require a legal know-how. They require renewal. And producers, oftentimes producers of these of specialty products, take maple syrup in Vermont, by the way. It's very time and labor-intensive, costly, and it's highly specialized labor. These types of products, they have a hard time competing with the commoditized products if they can't be distinguished. If they can't be distinguished or the consumer can't, uh, that's where labels come in. They help the consumer distinguish between an authentic, true quality product and maybe a more commodity-based product. That's one of the, the uses of a label. It's super important, and I think we're working toward it. But right now, it's up to the producer and the producer groups to register their own collective marks, their own trademarks, and most farmers don't have those resources or they're not in a community that's that's unified around one specific specialty product. So would the American Origin Products Association be like a third-party certifier to make sure that that growers or producers are indeed making honest, genuine claims? That is a personal long-term goal of mine. Of course, I'm not on the board. They're the ones who make the decision. I yeah. think that is an ideal situation. Saying mm-hmm. Basically, our government does not provide this type of recognition, this origin product recognition, whereas in Europe, we're getting a little bit more technical now, but it's important to answer the question you just asked. In Europe, geographical indications or origin products are their own branch of IP. They're their own branch of intellectual property, and you can apply for protection for a label, and they can be recognized in the same way that you would register a patent or a trademark in the United States. And our government does not have the infrastructure for that and has no plans to do so. So one of the solutions, as you astutely pointed out, would be, okay, well, a third-party association takes on the onus of becoming this third-party certifier. And that is 100% in line with our long-term goals. However, it requires a a significant level. It would require certifying labs, a certain level of infrastructure and manpower that we lack currently. So at the beginning, it's most likely going to be a, a brand, the brand awareness, and that we're trying to communicate the values behind this concept idea that in the United States currently doesn't have a precedent, really. Mm-hmm. I went to the website and I was looking through, okay, so what are some examples of American origin products? What sets them apart? And I was thinking of my own experiences. You know, when I go to Wisconsin, for example, I want to be sure to bring back cheese from Wisconsin that I can serve to my guests here in Missouri where I live and to set it apart like, ooh, I brought something special back. Same thing if I were to go to California, we would look for, say, the Napa Valley wines. Or Mm -hmm. if I was to go to Hawaii, I would look for Kona coffee because Mm -hmm. that would have a, a special recognition to others that this was from a special region. I don't know that I'd bring back a sack of potatoes from Idaho, but um, yeah. but I understand the region having a desire to say, yeah, we have this agricultural heritage here and we're proud of it. And a story to tell, right? right. When you bring back that bottle of wine, when you bring back 
that Kona coffee. You're not just bringing back a delicious product. You're bringing back story. You're you're evoking the the climate, the the producers you may have met. You're bringing back so much more, and I think that is something that I lived and saw in France that enamored me to agriculture, and that I never experienced in the United States. And then, to my surprise, I come back to the United States and see, wow, that does exist. It's just not being. Its potential is so far from being realized. Yeah. So how are you trying to evolve this project? You know, are you working with, say, individual communities? Are you working with agricultural, I hate to use the word commodity groups, but that seems to be how they're organized in the United States. You know, you've got the produce foundations, the different growers groups. Is there enthusiasm among those groups? It depends on the groups that you are, you know, it's a tough it's tough to approach this issue because some people are just unaware of the concept and you have to explain it to them. But we are attacking it from all sides. So basically, first and foremost, AOPA is a forum for dialogue and strategy. All of our members face similar issues. And we haven't spoken to those issues in a direct manner yet, but just to get it on the, all on the plate here, most of our people who, who make these specialty products and who don't have a trademark registered for them, they suffer from fraud and imitation which then, and usually those fraud and imitation products, are more commodity-based products with lower quality that may or may not come from the origin, the claimed origin um, of production, area of production. And it really, it really hurts our producers and threatens their existence in some cases. So initially, that's, that's the first. And the AOPA is a forum for dialogue for producers, like-minded producers. You get a producer of coffee from Kona. You get a Vermont maple sugar maker. They come together and they say, what do we have in common? What issues are we all facing here? We're small. We're trying to make ends meet. And we have fraud that's being, that's not only on the national, but international scale. And we don't have the means to fight it. So we're A, a forum for that. So we're attacking on that side just internally, I would say, among producers to come up with innovative solutions. We also, we're based in Washington, D.C., and we do congressional advocacy and outreach. So that is to say, we're trying to inform states, and starting by the grassroots level, that is to say, working with local governments, hopefully getting a local government office in Idaho is going to be more interested in protecting their, what, what represents a big chunk of their economy than the federal government at first. You know, we're not going to make any changes by attacking the top down. So we're trying to inform our, our legislators about origin products and about the real challenges that smaller to medium size on the whole producers are facing to keep these types of important products competitive and in the market alongside commodity-based products. And then also communication efforts and access to legal advice for our producers, et cetera. So we're trying to basically internally attack the issue by helping our producers get informed as possible, understanding the legal framework and understand kind of trying to brainstorm strat- uh, strategies together and externally influencing not only Congress and our lawmakers, but also consumers. Mm-hmm. By getting our brand out there, we have a new logo, and I want to start posting it on social media, on Facebook, and getting people asking the question, what is an origin product? And, oh, I know that product. I know, oh, I love Kona coffee. Like, what, is, what makes it an origin product? And looking in and then saying, hey, here's, what we, here's our promise. This product is um, purely American. This product has a high level of quality, and, uh, a, you know, down the list goes on. 
Right. Let me take one break and remind our listeners that if you're just joining us, you're tuned into Food Sleuth Radio, where we are speaking with Mr. Daniel Harper. He is Director of Policy and Communication for the American Origin Products Association. One of the things that I wanted to talk about had to do with economic development within communities. You know, so many, if you drive through the country, if you drive through the United States, you see a lot of dying rural areas. And it's really quite tragic. And I wonder if restoring pride in production of something unique from regions could be a way to infuse some some dollars in economic development and regional development, social capital, back into some of these dying communities. I mean, this the answer to your question is, a hunt, with Origin Products, there's certainly a way, to, a way to make this happen. It's already been established in other parts of the world. I think of Colombia. They registered for a geographical indication, which is, for, and for our purposes of this conversation, origin product and geographical indication are synonymous. They registered their brand, Colombia Coffee. And now, the, at a local, it was just one umbrella brand for all the coffee made in Colombia. And now it's starting to specialize more and more. There's agritourism that's making money flow into the region. They have their problems as well, but on the whole, quality is becoming more fine-tuned. What was once the entire country's production is now splitting up into little micro-regions with, with different qualities. It's really developing, and this is something beautiful to see, and it's all thanks to this concept and the, the, label, the, the label that they were able to register for and promote. I think that one of the beauties of, of GIs and origin products is their utility in the domain of rural development. Why? Very simply, if a quality of a product is essentially due to a geographical region, then once that has been established and that's in the mind of the, the consumer, the jobs that go into making this product can't be outsourced. I mean, you can't take, you can't take Kona coffee out of Kona. I mean, right. There's value there. So if you have a community that's known for a quality product and has culture and tradition around a product, it could be a meal too, it could be a cuisine or whatever, and, and the second that in the consumer's mind, it is, that's where the value is, you are boosting that economy, rural, that, that rural economy. Yeah. This is mostly taking place in rural areas, so it can be an extremely powerful tool and a really, I don't know, beautiful, a beautiful aspect of this, of this concept. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's a way to reconnect ourselves with food and the earth, the place, to help people gain a greater sense of place. I think that's a good. I think that's good for mental health, actually, yeah. as well as yeah. our physical health. Well, you know, I was looking um, again just to try to make this concept clear because it is so foreign to American culture. So the components of an origin product, you've got to have regional distinctiveness. So Mm -hmm. the potato, I'm getting back to this Idaho potato again, maybe unfairly, but you know, that Idaho potato better tastes different than the potato that I can buy at my local farmer's market. It has to have some distinguishing characteristic based on land and climate. And then you got to have tradition and craftsmanship. And that's right. where I think we might be teasing out and getting rid of the commodity production. You, you know, you've got something 
beautiful and unique. And I'm thinking exactly of the maple sugar candy, for example, Mm -hmm. that comes out of the Vermont, New England area. And then the third part was quality and authenticity. But I want to go back to the regional distinctiveness because it plays into something that we're witnessing worldwide, and that is climate change. And everything that I've been reading about climate and some of the challenges that we'll be facing moving forward is that we're not going to be able to produce the same foods in the same region. So Napa Valley, great example. Unique wines, they've got a unique climate. They're growing grapes that are specific perhaps to that region, and they were devastated by wildfires. So what's going to happen Right. Now, that's a question I can't answer, but what I will say, and it's another beauty of this tool and of this concept, is that the second you have value attached to a geographical, agricultural production in a geographical area, the incentives, the, the local incentives, and even the external incentives of keeping that area healthy, mm. agriculturally speaking, of taking care of the soil, because the second it's worth more, the more care goes into it, the, the more thought we're going to put into just spraying pesticides, and the more thought we're going to put into the environmental effects on, on this product. You know, there is, if a GI, if an origin product is known for its quality distinctiveness from this region, well, everyone in that community is going to be mobilized and motivated to make sure that, that quality stays there. I mean, that quality doesn't leave. And, it, and that means environmental awareness. That means largely taking care of, this, of, of the soils. Now, Commonly, when I talk about this, people bring up the example of champagne and how it was it was uncovered years back that champagne is just they were just bathing their grapes in all sorts of pesticides and and you know it was the furthest from natural wine you could get and they and I'm not saying that that this that, that opposite can happen. What I'm trying to say when there's lots of value, there's lots of fear that you know if you have a bad harvest, then so what that can also bring the opposite behavior. People can take overly safe measures and mistreat the environment as a result mm-hmm. or adopt less durable or um, sustainable practices. That being said, from what I've witnessed in the field, and I've been to a lot of different places in Europe that have this and that, that use this GI system for promoting their origin and specialty products, it's usually the other case, and it's changeable as well. In, in Champagne, they're really making a lot of changes. There's lots of organic now uh, producers. It's slow because it's an old appellation, they call it, but... Uh, but they can adapt. So while climate change surely is an issue, and you've seen it now, Bordeaux's are not, like, Bordeaux's made in the past, ten, past five years, they're no longer, I mean, this is what the French, this is what the old seven-year-old French man will tell you in the cafe, but the Bordeaux's are no longer what they were, and people are starting to pay, inter- pay interest or become interested in different regions that are trending now, like Beaujolais and all that stuff. So climate change definitely does play a role in here. And I think what's even more beautiful is that once the farmers start understanding the value that the region places on their agriculture, in general, they start taking care of it better, and they become more environmentally attuned. And not only do they have a quality product, but they have a more sustainable practice that goes behind it. So you can't stop climate change from happening, but if everyone plays their role in a more responsible way, overall, the effect could be, if it catches on, the effect could be considerable. Yeah, I think it's a marvelous tool for raising awareness about mm-hmm. the importance of protecting the environment, as well as preserving the people on the smaller farms who are producing right. this unique food. I, I'm reminded of a trip that I took 
to New York City, we were touring the the green markets there. I was with the Organic Farming Research Foundation on a trip, and the farmers' markets, anybody who bakes bread and sells them at the New York City green markets, they are required to purchase a certain percentage of their grain from New York State farmers as a way to preserve those small farms and the economy, the agricultural economy of the state. Same thing, I was up in Vermont, in Burlington, Vermont, and I think there was a, a big box store that wanted to move in, and they said no because they wanted to preserve the relationships that they had with the individual farmers who were bringing them very high-quality food. Sure, sure, and that's really a huge part of what we're about there. It's, it's that, that, you know, people, a, lot of, a mistake a lot of people make when I start telling, when I start telling friends or family or who, 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 whoever it may be about origin products and what I'm working on, they think, oh, well, you're working in a niche, a niche luxury, uh, luxury goods. They, they write it off as something that's kind of snobbish or it is niche and they are luxury goods. And that is their role. However, when people think, oh, when I'm buying a Dior bag or whatever, uh, you know, a fancy, a fancy cosmetic good, that money is, is, is maybe going to some big corporation, okay? And this is, in this instance, these are luxury niche goods, and they can't, you can't fill your pantry with pure, authentic maple syrup. Most Americans can't do it. But when every once in a while, on occasion, for Christmas or a holiday or a celebration, you get, you, you, you splurge on that quality and that certified traceable quality product which which would be the case for an american origin product mm-hmm. that money is going to the pockets of these small medium farmers not all of them are small medium i'm sure in idaho potatoes there are big producers just as there are small ones but the point is is that the money is going back and you know where it's you know it's traceable you know whose pockets it's going into and it's our rural farmers it's our rural mostly small and medium sized farmers who are trying to get something, an alternative to the commodity mass big ag food products that we see in our supermarkets that we export. They're trying to, they're trying to keep an alternative out there, a quality alternative for people every once in a while. It's a niche luxury good, but the money is going back into the pockets of our rural Americans. Yeah, and I think for those of us who work to have a more equitable food system, the onus is really on us to make sure that everyone has the opportunity to participate in enjoying truly good food that's produced with care that also supports farmers in the region. So, you know, sort of everything is connected. I need to just mention that we just have a couple of minutes left. And I want to put the ball back in your court. Is there anything you want our listeners to know about your work and American Origin Products? Yeah, I want you to come check us out on our website, and I want you to, to if you didn't understand the idea behind geographical indications and origin products, to really, to really question the idea of it. Go online, do your research yourself, check us out, get in contact with me. I'd be more than happy to talk about it. But think to the product of which you're most proud of in the United States. And someone asks, when you're American, give me a name of something that you cherish, be it a meal or food. Think back. And I'm sure you can trace it to a small farmer, to a medium farmer, someone that you want to support. So that's what I'd like to leave with the listener. Yeah, that's a beautiful send-off message. Thank you for that. Well, in no, closing, 
I want to thank our listeners for joining us. I want to remind everyone that Food Sleuth Radio is produced by Dan Hemmelgarn at KOPN Studios in beautiful downtown Columbia, Missouri. Most of all, I want to thank my guest, Mr. Daniel Harper. He is Director of Policy and Communications for the American Origin Products Association, and that website is www.aop-us.org. And get ready for a wonderful education. I think this should be part of all of our agricultural instruction. It's really <laughs> One interesting. Day. One day. Thank That's you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Mm-hmm.